A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, And I know we've been talking a lot about it this week. These new merchant credit categories, uh, specifically one designed for purchases at gun stores. Uh, That is one of the big topics this week and there are some new developments so we are going to be once again uh, delving into this discussion on uh, today's bearing arms cam and company uh, because i think we've got some good news to report you know we've been talking about uh what's been going on here you know we spoke to mark oliva of the national shooting sports foundation last week talking about these uh, new merchant category codes Oliver uh, pointed out that this effort has been underway on the part of the gun control lobby for at least five years, going back to 2017, uh, when uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin wrote a column at the New York Times uh, encouraging the financial services industry to basically divest itself of any relationship uh, with gun companies, including, you know, firearms manufacturers all the way down to mom and pop gun shops. Um Now that this first step, and again, gun control groups themselves call this a first step. Now that this first step has been taken uh, and these new merchant category codes for farm retailers have been established, gun control groups want to go further. Uh, They're not happy with this alone. Again, they've called this a first step because simply knowing, uh, okay, well, you know, uh, Cam uh, bought something at a gun store and, uh, you know, we we don't know what it is. It's kind of hard to identify those quote unquote suspicious purchases, right? If you're not able to peer inside the cart. Uh, And as uh, our contributor Ryan Petty has pointed out, uh, one of the goals of the gun control groups here is to denormalize and delegitimize the firearms industry to push it away from the financial services industry to, uh, in essence, turn it into a close facsimile of what the cannabis industry looks like today, right? Operating in this sort of gray area where it's quasi-legal, maybe legal at the state level, but it's still illegal at the federal level. Uh, and so these uh, dispensaries and the you know grow houses, they don't have access to banks, right? This is basically a cash-only business. Uh, and it, I, I, look, I, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, one of the uh, impacts of that is that uh, the cannabis industry is, again, viewed as only quasi-legitimate, right? Now, what's fascinating here is Democrats are actually trying to pass legislation that would allow the cannabis industry access to banks. At the same time, again, they're taking these steps to try to uh, pressure companies to stop doing business with the firearms industry. Uh, so what's the good news here? <laughs> well, the good news, I think, is that we're starting to see a counter push from the right uh, directed at these same companies saying, listen, don't don't play the fool. Don't open this Pandora's box. And certainly uh, don't start trying to scrutinize uh, every lawful purchase from a uh, legitimate gun owner uh, in the uh, uh, to, to, to aid the gun control group's desire. Uh, to try to crack down on legal gun purchases. So the chief financial officer of Florida, Jimmy Petronas, uh, came out on Wednesday uh, with a uh, pretty fiery statement uh, aimed directly at these credit card companies and warning them uh, that the state is prepared to take action if, indu- if they do indeed uh, try to infringe on the rights of gun owners. Meanwhile, 
Uh, the head of uh, one of the major banks in the United States uh, telling Congress that they don't know what purchases they're going to be required to flag, but they're not going to be doing this voluntarily, he says. So let's break down both of those stories, uh, starting with what's going on in Florida, uh, where, again, Jimmy Petronas uh, has issued this statement calling out these credit card companies and warning them that the state could take action uh, if they do indeed start peering into the carts of gun owners and uh, reporting those activities to, uh, you know, anybody that, that apparently they're supposed to report it to. Uh, Patrona says, quote, the Second Amendment is foundational to our American way of life. The idea that law-abiding Americans may put on some kind of corporate watch list is disturbing. Our rights come from our creator, not the government, and especially not big corporations. It's clear that the actions by these credit card companies are part of a larger effort to curtail God-given constitutional rights of Americans. Now, Florida politics uh, notes that uh, gun control advocates call these new merchant credit codes a positive step, right? That allow credit card companies to uh, act on, quote, red flags, such as a buildup of firearms for a local extremist movement. Now, again, how would would they do that? How would these credit card companies know whether some extremist movement is stockpiling weapons based solely on uh, the amount of trans, uh, you know, the, um, the amount of a particular transaction or the frequency of a particular transaction. They don't. They can't. There is no way to simply look at uh, somebody's transaction history in terms of the total that's spent and where that money is spent and determine, aha, this is evidence of wrongdoing. In fact, I don't even know that reporting, quote unquote, suspicious activity to law enforcement would be actionable if all you're reporting is, well, uh, Joe Blow went to a gun store on Monday and he spent $400 and then he went back on Thursday and he spent $500 and then he went back on Saturday and he spent uh, $600. Is that evidence of a crime? Or is that evidence that maybe Joe has a lot of, exp- uh, you know, uh, uh, extra income, disposable income that he has to work with? Be nice to be in Joe's position, wouldn't it? Going to the gun store three times a week. Uh, Anyway, there are Americans out there who uh, certainly are able to do that. And they're not breaking the law, not out there engaging in any criminal activity. So I I don't understand and I really don't get and the gun control groups have not, frankly, been able to explain how it is that any given transaction or even a transaction history is going to be evidence of malfeasance or wrongdoing. And Patronus Call them out on this argument. He says this is social engineering, part of a trend towards environment, social, and corporate governance, or uh, ESG, something else that our uh, colleague Ryan Petty has written about at Marion Arms. He says it's also symptomatic of the virus known as ESG, Patronus says, which is part of a global effort to socially re-engineer the country that we love so much. There is no way that we are going to allow that to happen in the free state of Florida. He says the uh, legislature must act in the coming session if credit card companies use their power to erode Floridians access to guns, saying, quote, if we come to the legislative session and companies like Visa, MasterCard, American Express are generating these reports to create a chilling effect against the purchase of firearms, then I'll work with the legislature to pass a law penalizing businesses who are targeting the right to keep and bear arms. He went on to say, we've seen a groundbreaking ruling come out of the Fifth Circuit limiting corporations' ability to curtail Americans' constitutional rights, and so we are on solid legal footing to pursue a bill protecting Floridians' Second Amendment rights. We could also take it a step further by barring these companies from doing any business with the state of Florida. 
We will send a message out to these large corporations that if you're interested in doing business with Florida, you need to make sure that you're protecting Floridians' right to arm and defend themselves. Now, that is a message that, again, I think is sinking in with some of these companies. Uh, not just Visa, MasterCard, American Express, but again, some of the big banks that are also uh, tied to those credit card companies and uh, would also uh, apparently have to uh, follow any reporting requirements. Not only have we seen Visa and MasterCard come out with statements on their own, Visa is saying, look, we're not interested in being the morality police. Uh, MasterCard pointing out, pardon me for the uh, rooster in the background here, uh, MasterCard pointing out in a statement that, uh, again, these types of transactions uh, are not evidence in and of themselves of any particular criminal activity. Uh, and on Wednesday, the uh, head of Truist Bank, the uh, chairman and CEO of uh, Truist, which is the uh, bank that came about as a result of the merger between SunTrust and BB&T, uh, was appearing before a congressional committee. He was uh, being questioned by Alex Mooney of West Virginia about these uh, new reporting requirements. And this is what he had to say. He said, uh, quote, this is a developing area at this particular time. This is a William Rogers Jr. He said, so our position will follow the rules that are part of this system. But as of today, we will also protect the follow the law, protect the rights of our consumers in terms of reporting. So I can't speak to exactly what we will be required in terms of reporting, but that won't be something we'll do on a voluntary basis, he says. So in other words, uh, Truist isn't going to be scanning uh, the transactions of its customers looking to identify any sort of suspicious behavior, which is good to know. Now, there obviously are some follow-up questions. Uh, you know, uh, he says that they don't really know what it is that they're going to be required to report. Well, when do they expect to get that information? And once they do get that information, are they going to be transparent and open about sharing that information with their customers? This would apply, by the way, not only to Truist, but to virtually every one of these companies that will be impacted by these new MCCs. Uh, gun owners are rightfully concerned because, again, we understand that this isn't where the gun control lobby wants to stop. We understand that this is part of a broader effort aimed, again, not only at delegitimizing the firearms industry, but delegitimizing, boy, that rooster, delegitimizing gun ownership itself to make it uh, unnatural, to make it taboo, to make it socially unacceptable to exercise our Second Amendment rights. So, yeah, there's a real reason why gun owners are uh, so concerned about this. Uh, and frankly, these companies have every reason in the world to say no to the gun control lobby going forward. I don't think they want to open themselves up to the liability that would come with trying to be the private police force determining whether or not a particular purchase is suspicious or not. And uh, frankly, again, it won't stop with the gun control lobby, something we've talked about here previously. There are all kinds of special interest groups who I'm sure would love to have the same kind of granular information about consumers' purchasing habits that the gun control lobby wants to apply to the tens of millions of American gun owners around the country. So we will continue to keep our eye on this story. I had somebody ask me yesterday, when are these new codes supposed to take effect? I don't think anybody knows yet. Uh, you know, the, the, the new codes have been approved, but uh, I have not heard any specific date 
offered by uh, any credit card company or any big bank as to when these new codes are expected to actually get rolled out and be used. I can tell you, though, that uh, a number of gun store owners uh, are already on the record as saying that they're seeing a switch. Uh, more customers are coming in and already paying in cash. Not because, again, they're doing anything nefarious, but because they are concerned about the erosion of their privacy rights and they're reacting. All right. We, as I said, we'll continue to keep our eyes on any developments in this area. We'll let you know about them at Bearing Arms and here on uh, Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Right now, though, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report will start there uh, with this gentleman in Las Vegas uh, accused of, well, a really serious crime, shooting five people at a Las Vegas birthday party. Turns out he's previously deported from the United States at least four times, as well as previously pleading guilty to kidnapping a man. Yeah. Uh, 8 News Now in Las Vegas reported that 36-year-old Alberto Santa Cruz taken into custody on the uh, latest charges against him early Sunday morning. Uh, he apparently gave police a fake ID card at the time. Court documents indicate that uh, Santa Cruz was born in Mexico, brought to the U.S. as an 8-year-old. He is not, however, a U.S. citizen. Uh, and back in 2006, he apparently was part of a, a group of individuals who kidnapped a man from his home, threatened to kill him over the theft of $50,000 worth of methamphetamine. Yeah, that group then brought the victim to an apartment where uh, Santa Cruz and another man, oh, excuse me, where the victim and another man had their hands bound and their heads dunked underwater in a bathtub. The group then drove the men to a, a desert area near uh, Logandale, Nevada, saying they would kill them. One victim able to escape, running to a gas station, yelling, they're going to kill me. Uh, police later took these suspects, including Santa Cruz, into custody. Santa Cruz, uh, according to police, was responsible for tying up the victims and striking one man several times. Uh, all of these suspects, uh, illegal immigrants, police ended up charging Santa Cruz with first-degree kidnapping with a deadly weapon. He took a plea deal, however, uh, ultimately uh, uh, pleading guilty to a charge of conspiracy to commit kidnapping. He was uh, sentenced to between one and six years in the Nevada Department of Corrections, and there was also a stipulation that the federal authorities could deport him. He started serving his sentence in October of 2007, did 21 months behind bars, ultimately, uh, and then was deported in October of 2009. 2015, he was arrested again in Las Vegas uh, on a, a drug charge, pleaded guilty to drug possession, three-year suspended sentence, uh, and uh, three years probation. In 2016, he violated his probation, went to prison for a year. In 2017, Federal prosecutors charged him with being an undocumented immigrant who had re-entered the U.S. illegally, uh, and he was removed uh, actually from the country three times, according to prosecutors, once in 2009, once in, uh, excuse me, twice in uh, June of 2014. He was sentenced to a year in federal custody uh, for those crimes, and then in 2017, he was once again deported in September of that year. By December of 2017, just three months later, he was once again found in the United States. 2019, he was arrested in Phoenix for violating his supervised release after having entered the country illegally. And then in September of 2019, he was sentenced to 16 months in prison with no supervised release uh, to be run concurrent with a sentence of 40 months in prison and a supervised release from an Arizona judge. He was released from federal prison on November 29th. It's unclear at this point whether he was deported again, but uh, over the weekend, again, he was arrested following the shooting that happened at a uh, birthday party after he allegedly got into a fight with another man in the backyard of a uh, home 
in Las Vegas. About 100 people there at the party, including uh, children. Five people were shot. Two of them suffered critical injuries. And police say, again, the man responsible shouldn't have been in this country. And clearly, if he was here, should have been behind bars for his previous offenses. Uh, today's armed citizen story from Orange County, Florida, the uh, Orlando area, where uh, a man was shot and injured after allegedly breaking into a home. Uh, we don't have a lot of details about this. This was Wednesday morning, broad daylight, by the way, uh, just before 11 a.m. Uh, Orange County Sheriff's Office got a call about a uh, burglary at a home. Deputy say that during the burglary, a man in his 30s, uh, who was identified as the suspect, was shot by a resident inside the home. The uh, man reported to have non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, he was taken into custody. was also taken to a local hospital. Uh, he will be facing charges once he is released. At this point, it doesn't appear the uh, homeowner was doing anything other than acting in self-defense. But again, we don't have a lot of information here, so we'll try to bring any more details uh, if and when they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A retired New York police officer who was able to uh, help save the driver of a car after it sunk in a North Carolina lake. Yeah, this is the uh, convertible in question there. You can see not an amphibious vehicle uh, and could have been a very scary situation. This was in uh, Lake Norman in uh, North Carolina Wednesday afternoon, uh, just south of Mooresville. North Carolina, about 25 miles north of uh, Charlottesville. Uh, Mooresville Fire Rescue got a call about a uh, vehicle there in the lake. When the uh, fire rescue got there, they discovered that the driver of the car had already been rescued by a passerby, uh, as well as a boater uh, who was out there on Lake Norman. The uh, local police department said this a vehicle that traveled off the roadway ended up in the water and was sinking uh, when a local resident, a retired New York police officer, jumped into Lake Norman and rescued the driver of the vehicle. The passerby able to unbuckle the seatbelt, get the driver out of the vehicle, and that's when a boater jumped into the water and assisted with uh, helping the driver to a nearby dock. Now, the identities of uh, the driver uh, and the rescuers have not been released. The uh, person behind the wheel of that car uh, was taken to a local hospital for uh, treatment of unspecified injuries. The Mooresville Police Department still investigating the crash, but uh, it looks like the driver of that vehicle is going to be okay. Thanks again to the quick thinking and fast actions of the uh, retired New York police officer as well as the uh, boater out there enjoying a, a beautiful hump day afternoon on uh, Lake Norman there in North Carolina. That's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, and I do want to thank you for being part of the program as always. We will be back on Monday. We're going to have plenty to talk about, unfortunately. Hopefully some good news, too. Uh, I will be uh, giving you an after-action report. I'm going to be uh, going out to the Virginia Shooting uh, uh, Sports Association's uh, annual banquet and uh, talking to uh, those great folks this weekend. So we'll be talking about what's going on in the Commonwealth of Virginia on Monday. Uh, and we'll have much more of the latest Second Amendment news and information to report on. But between now and then, I would also encourage you to visit BarryAndArms.com because we are going to be updating the website with all of the latest news you need to know about your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, I also encourage you to become a VIP member. Just use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive news stories and content you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. Hope you have a great weekend. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free.